This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. Art is this great connector. We could clearly see two completely separate groups, culturally, um, perhaps socioeconomically, meeting in front of a mural, coming from different directions, taking in some art, starting a conversation. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Al Wilson. He is the founder and executive director of Beyond Walls, and welcome to our program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to ask about Beyond Walls, but first I want to ask a little about you. How did you get involved in turning blank spaces on buildings into beautiful works of art? Well, I was working for a Chicago-based startup and was tasked with opening six offices for them uh, on the East Coast. One of those offices happened to be in Philadelphia, where I took in some very large-scale murals, and then uh, opened an office in Miami, where I discovered Wynwood, and was just taken aback by the power of the art there. Looked into the background of it, and uh, got turned on to placemaking, and then thought, shoot, I bet we could pull something pretty cool off in Lynn. Now, are you an artist? I'm not an artist. No, I have uh, I have a tough time sketching. I, I'm I'm barely a, a doodler, but um, good at connecting with artists and organization. So you mentioned Lynn, and uh, a lot of our listeners may have read in the newspaper, or maybe they're on my train, the Rockport line that mm. goes right by Lynn, and we get to see the beautiful murals there. But that has been absolutely transformative for that city. It, it's it's been fun, and to see the city really embrace it um, has been uh, something that uh, you know is wonderful to wonderful to witness. So this is an all honest podcast. Sure. So what happens when you walk into a city like Lynn and you say, "I want to uh, put art on the sides of buildings here"? I mean, what's the first reaction? Well, you know, when I was discovering Wynwood at the same time, I was leading, I was reading uh, a Boston Globe article. Um, about the lead team, uh, a, a task force set up um, to aid Lynn and that represents uh, federal, state, and local parties. Um, and then, you know, came to Lynn and discovered that the uh, elected officials there were very welcoming. Um, the community was very welcoming, and, and ultimately the private uh, business community was very welcoming. So all of these pieces are on private uh, walls, private buildings. But the city really embraced it, and so it, it was it was largely logistically to get permissions, not challenging. Did you look around the city and decide which walls you thought were the best and then approach the owner, or did owners come to you and say, hey, do my building? Well, you know, the whole, the whole process stemmed from some community meetings where the, and this was aided by mass development's work in this regard, so community meetings and the feedback from residents and business owners was that they wanted to see far more public art. And then they wanted to increase the walkability through uh, lighting installations in downtown, uh, both under the underpasses of the MBTA commuter rail, as well as sidewalk engagement to increase walkability and therefore economic output for the city. So when we, when we started this thing, it was important for us to form a committee and we formed a, a 28-head committee uh, that represented, again, residents of downtown Lynn as well as business owners, and then we subdivided that committee. So we actually had a wall committee that looked at assessing the walls in the city, 
um, which ended up totaling 70 plus walls. We then did a mailing out to 55 of those walls and then started trying to target to get permissions uh, for 25 walls because we knew that you've got to have some flex if, uh, if a sketch isn't approved and you've got to move to a backup wall. And all of those walls were ranked by um, the visibility. So was this wall visible, highly visible by pedestrian traffic, uh, vehicle traffic, and for us in Lynn, the trifecta was, could it be seen via the train? So, you know, the, the walls that you see pieces up ended up being both highly rated walls um, as well as walls that obviously we ultimately were able to get permissions to put the pieces on. So now talk about the selection of the art and the artists. How did that work? So we did a, we did a request for a proposal. Um, we put this up on, uh, uh, online on, on various channels. Um, and it was, it was pretty brief. I think it was, it was maybe a five-week, six-week call. Uh, we ultimately had over 60 artists apply to that. From all over the country? From all over the country. Um, and we, well, internationally. So, you know, the idea here was that we, we were going to rate them on their portfolio. And then a second rating was whether those artists aligned to the cultural identities of downtown Lynn. So Lynn, like many of the gateway cities in the Commonwealth, part of their strength is just this incredible diversity. Uh, in downtown Lynn, for example, you can walk within five minutes, you're having food on at least six continents, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's a really cool community. So it was important to us to have um, a top Dominican artist, a top Puerto Rican artist, or several. Um, we've got the third largest Cambodian population outside of Cambodia, so having a top Cambodian artist, uh, as well as other groups represented, as well as walls for local and regional parties. Uh, including parties that perhaps had left Lynn. So we brought back the prolific artists from the 80s as well as the 90s and then current day artists in Lynn. So this wasn't free. You had to do some fundraising. You had to get a lot of partners. How did that uh, come together? Well, you know, it, it, it really, again, working with uh, parties within the state, and, and I, I have to really give a nod to Mass Development and their uh, Commonwealth Places program that they uh, have. So we applied to that. Um, really the rules of engagement are you have to be a municipality or a 501c3 or fiscally partnered um, to one. We were fiscally partnered to a nonprofit in Lynn. We went for the max that you could go for at the time, which was $50,000. You have 60 days to raise that money. And then you qualify for the, you then trigger the mass development match. So. We were successful in that, in, in that we hit, um, we actually hit on day 14. Um, we ultimately had over 1,400 residents of Lynn donate to this project. Um, and that was the, that got us off the ground. And, and based on having mass development there, uh, the match secured, we were able to attract other funders, knowing that this project was in all likelihood moving forward. So it really was the, you know, Kickstarter of this thing. One of the exciting things, I mean, you think about murals on buildings and you think that, I mean, it's mostly aesthetics, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, lighting and dark spaces. Yes, so, you know, one of the, the key pieces of, of what came back from this community was that with the lack of lighting, there's a lack of walkability. And when we worked with mass development to really heat map um, high crime areas in the city as well as pedestrian, pedestrian strike zones, we saw that these occur under these underpasses. Um, and they're just, they're, they really are 
dark. So they either don't have lights at all or the lights that are there are, are not working or, or partially working. So we were able to make an appeal, uh, again, through the Commonwealth Places program. Uh, we did this Kickstarter party, and there we attracted Phillips to come take in this party. You know, we had Bentwater Breweries, the local brewery in Lynn, great brewery, uh, donated product. Um, we had a Short Path Distillery of Everett that donated product. So, uh, and then a, and a ton of different food. So it really was a taste of Lynn. Huge party, and at that party was Phillips. That was critical. We'd already walked away from their portfolio in the sense in that we couldn't afford it. But Phillips Color Kinetics out of Burlington saw this as an opportunity to get involved. Ultimately, we were able to secure um, a very large amount of uh, lighting hardware in kind. Uh, as well as uh, the ability to obviously purchase some of this hardware. Um, and so now we're installing it with a, with an installing party of port lighting systems up in New Hampshire, um, as well as we made an appeal to IBEW 103, the local electricians union. They saw this as a, a perfect opportunity for them, um, and they were able to financially support us, uh, as well as give in-kind labor. So IBEW 103 is stepped up in a huge way and they're also tied into another lighting project that we can talk about so but pretty neat to have the union parties involved with that and it comes after we'd secured uh, DC 35 the painters union who really helped out on the murals you know they were able to uh, clean walls prep walls for priming they actually primed the walls uh, for these artists as well as contributed financially so we couldn't have done this without DC 35 and IBEW 103. Sometimes it's the surprises that really um, give a little delight, a little extra delight to a project like this, and stumbling across some vintage neon. Talk about that. Yeah, so we, you do this sort of work, you get to meet an awful lot of, of fun and interesting characters, and we happen to come across one of the larger collectors of, of vintage neon, perhaps on the East Coast. Um, who has very strong connections to Lynn, grew up in Lynn, and donated 12 pieces of vintage neon artwork to us. Um, Beyond Walls uh, then began the installation of these pieces all throughout downtown in the cultural district, again with the, with the mission to uh, light up these areas that are dark and increase walkability and then obviously increase um, economic output from that. So we put up these 12 pieces, um, and we've, we've got the underpass lighting, which is a dynamic system for three of the, the overpasses. So this is a system that can do, you know, each uh, bay of the underpass can be a different color spectrum. So you've got this wash that's a rainbow color. It can do waves of green for St. Patrick's, red, white, and blue for 4th of July. It responds to the train going overhead, so it actually becomes more in intense as the train passes. It responds to the beat of music, so we can program it so that it'll actually, when we do live music events, uh, it responds to that. And then we've got, you know, as an ode to the, the industrial roots of Lynn, uh, we've got a jet engine. So it's kind of interesting. The first jet engine produced by a U.S. manufacturer was made in Lynn in 1942. And we got a complete 1942 IA engine from Lynn, um, from GE, and uh, we're utilizing Lynn Vocational Technical Institute. So the students there are bringing this into a condition for install in downtown Lynn. 
We've consulted with the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, their lead curator, who connected us to a curator at Harvard University. Uh, they really were critical in coming up with the game plan for this engine, and then we brought that Harvard Conservatoire to Lynn, uh, spoke to the students, and uh, the students are, uh, are working now on this engine so that we're going to install it. It's pretty neat. So I want you to uh, paint a word picture for us. I know you're not an artist and you can't sketch, but you can doodle. Uh, uh. But uh, for our listeners who maybe haven't seen images of the murals uh, in Lynn, can you just sort of tell us what they look like? Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're, they're all quite large in that this was in a 10-day span we installed 15 very large murals. Um, so it's tw over 26,000 square feet of art. Um, and it, you know, obviously when you have that much art going up in a city, it draws an awful lot of attention. We've ended up having over 80 pieces of uh, earned media, including, uh, you know, Channel 4, Channel 5, WBUR, um, Boston Public Radio, others um, cover this. The, the art itself, you can look at the art and um, in many cases you can perhaps identify whether that artist is, is uh is Dominican or Puerto Rican or Cambodian from the art. Um, for parties that were in Lynn in the 80s and 90s, they're able to tell this is an artist that's been brought back or you're familiar with the artist. Um, we brought back some artists that hadn't been in the city for a while. They, uh, you know, their art was uh, deemed graffiti and they had to leave. And we invited them back to do sanctioned pieces and what was fun here was that all the artists, including these artists that had to leave the city of Wynn, um, were given keys to the city <laughs> and at a commencement with the mayor. So it really was very welcoming. Um, but it's it's 15 large pieces all within downtown, so very walkable. And again, that's part of our, um, our you know, on the economic side, that's something that we really wanted to do. And, and you know, I can talk to a, a study that we commissioned. Uh, so we... We wanted to show the output of this festival, the power of it, and you know, based on the amount of art and the level of artists going up uh, that were involved, we drew an awful lot of media, and uh, with that media came a huge amount of visitors to Lynn, as well as Linners who hadn't been to downtown. So many of the mom and pop shops, the restaurants, the cafes saw, saw a drastic increase in business, and we wanted to record that. So we did have some methods set up, um, both on the quantitative and qualitative side, to get this data. And then we commissioned uh, a web management to do a impact study on the festival. And we've just actually got that, and, uh, and we've reported out on it. So it was a, it was a financial boom for the city. And but on numbers, the, what, what's the impact that you discovered? Well, in, the, in six figures as far as new sales, coming into the city. Um, it was a number of parties that decided to move to the city based on this. Um, parties that were living in the city moved to downtown. So we had very positive feedback there. We've got a cafe that hired additional staff based on this. These were second job opportunities for parties that live in Lynn. Um, and it, and it, the, it's a new level that's been established now. So on the back side of this festival, there's more parties walking around and there's more parties taking in um, the culinary experience of Lynn and going to these cafes and just 
or perhaps getting off the train from the bedroom communities that exist just north of Lynn, um, Beverly, uh, Marblehead, Swampscott, um, parties that perhaps had heard uh, and had, a, had some sort of negative view on Lynn, except when you really dig in there, they, they actually hadn't been to Lynn or they hadn't walked around downtown Lynn, and now they're getting off the train and, and taking in the yard. We, we always love to talk about the economic impact, and that's something that's very traditionally uh, measured, and we all know how to do it, but um, the, the impact, um, the aesthetic impact, the impact of the human spirit, the impact of the pride of the people who live in Lynn. It, it, was, it was powerful. You know, it was kind of funny. I, Say Adams was one of the artists who, uh, who participated, and, and Say had never done a piece uh, in Boston. He's... Uh, Let's call him a. Depending on who you talk to, <laughs> graffiti uh, was born in either Philadelphia or, or New York City in the late '60s, and um, and so in the late '70s, Say was putting art up on trains, right? Um, but he uh, he's a graphic designer and um, a trained artist who ended up being the founding creative director of Def Jam Records. So he did the first. LP covers for the Beastie Boys, Mary J. Blige, Jay-Z, um, Biggie. Uh, later in life, he, he, he befriends a young comedian. Ten years later, when that comedian signs with Comedy Central, he does the Chappelle Show logo. He's a prolific artist. He responded to our RFP. You know, he came up, he stayed on a pretty much a cot, you know, and we, we were very kind to the artists. They all received stipends. The, the package that was actually... Uh, presented to them, I actually think really set the market for what these artists um, are getting and should get in the Commonwealth. And can we, you tell us what that is? Yeah, so all artists, regardless of their, um, and I do want to come back to say, because it's a it's an important piece here, um, but all artists received a $1,000 stipend. They also received a $450 preloaded card, um, so they did not need to go into their stipend and this was set up so that they would spend this money in, in the local economy. Um, we did, uh, we housed them, got all of their um, all of their paint and materials. We obviously primed their walls. Something that was very important to myself and the committee was that these artists would be safe. And this again, to that partnership with DC35, we were able to secure parties to train them in lift operation. So. This amount of art going up required an awful lot of machinery, both scissor lifts and boom lifts, and in some cases articulating boom lifts that were 125 feet or higher. Um, so these, regardless of where they were in their in their careers, um, almost all the well, all the artists had done pieces from large lifts, but they hadn't been certified. And so here we were able to get them certification uh, to level that is OSHA standards. They can use that certification throughout the U.S. and Canada, but it's also recognized internationally. And all the artists shared that they were—they basically were much, much safer after this training. So, and then the little parts, you know, we got them. I looked at it and thought I would not last a day on a wall with my shoulders, with my hand in the air painting. And I can't believe that they—they they do this largely with spray in real-world conditions. So, by the fifth day, sixth day of the festival. We had uh, a team of massage therapists and chiropractic care come in and just... For you. No, <laughs> I, I think maybe... So I, you had a psychologically I, heavy lift. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, I think for myself and the committee and the team, and, and I want to talk about the team, but it was, it was 
um, for the artist to get that sort of care, as well as to have the amount of support that came out from this community, it one, it put Lynn on the map, and the artists all talk, so they all shared about their experience, and it really was this kumbaya feeling. It was very powerful. So on that level, it was, it was a fantastic um, Go back experience. to Say. And, and yeah, and with Say, it was, it was interesting, you know, so Say put this large love piece up um, in Lynn, right, right off of Monroe Street. Um, and again, you know, an artist that, that um, you know, he's used to working quickly and having to work quickly if you're putting art on trains back in the 70s and 80s. So, um, so he's got a huge piece there, but he came back to the city. He was really embraced by the city, and we were grabbing lunch together, and, um, and a cu- an elderly couple came over and ended up chatting with us, and they'd lived in Lynn, or as the wife pointed out, she was from Lynn. And she, uh, she pointed out that her husband wasn't, and he then said, I've lived with you in Lynn for 49 years, <laughs> right? You grew up in Saugus, but he's not from Lynn. She needs to make that point. Um, they lived in Lynn. They hadn't been to downtown in 22 years. And so that was eye-opening. And, you know, they shared that they came to downtown for the first time in 22 years, took in the art, and then for that 10-day run, it basically became their date night. They came to downtown all the time. And now that's part of their, um, you know, they've pulled in their social circle and those parties are going out. We could clearly see during the festival what appeared to be two completely separate groups, culturally, um, perhaps socioeconomically, meeting in front of a mural, coming from different directions, taking in some art, starting a conversation, and then deciding to leave together to take in another piece. And so, you know, art is this great connector. And to see it in real time, and then on the back end to have some quantitative and qualitative data that actually showed this, you know, whether it be our surveys or our head counts or, or number of parties that went to our programming events. It was, it's great to, to have seen it and on the back end be, think, was that real? <laughs> and then say, Yes, it was. Here's the data. And so I think that's important to share for parties that are out there maybe considering putting up art or, or lighting or, or, you know, if you're thinking about doing a festival, don't do it. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> It'll be bigger and harder than you think. No, you know, if you're going to do a festival, build, build, build aspects in here to, uh, to be able to record that output. I love, um, it's called Beyond Walls, and it certainly is Beyond Walls. It's not only uh, Beyond Walls in terms of looking at walls as art, but the walls of perception Mm. that were torn down in the process of this and bringing people into downtown Lynn and and changing the whole image and uh, ethos around this really diverse and vibrant city. Um, Al Wilson. founder and executive director of Beyond Walls, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.